Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a living clean study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, Living Clean. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide a commentary of the text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then our participation will be well worth the effort. We'll have the introductions, and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy. Uh, welcome back, everybody. This is episode 10, a Living Clean Study for the Anonymous podcast. We're going to begin on page 30 with We Run Back. Uh, but first, we're going to give our introductions. Eva P., could you jump in, introduce yourself, please? Hi, everybody. Eva P. here. Um, my clean date is June 10th, 2000. I am in the Salem, Oregon area, and my home group is Do It Hard. All right. Thanks, Eva. What's up, Jane? Hey, Jane A. here. I'm over in the middle of Wham Valley in Salem, Oregon. Clean date 12-22-79. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Jane. How's it going, Barb? Hi, Douglas. Barbar here in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. I attend meetings in New Orleans. My clean date is 10 Thanks, Barb. What's happening, Paul? Paul M. here. I am in New Orleans today, <laughs> and I have electricity. Yay! Uh, the um, My clean date is January 6, 1995, and my home group is the Open Mind Home Group. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. What's happening, Lee? I'm Lee. I'm an addict. I'm still currently displaced in Daphne, Alabama. My clean date is 8-27-87. Home group is the Open Mind Group, Monday night, 7.30, virtual. Thanks, Doug. All right, thanks, Lee. What's happening, Jen? My name is Jennifer. I'm an addict. Uh, my clean date is November 27, 1992, um, and I attend meetings in Sacramento, California. All right, thanks, Jen. I'm, I'm an addict. Name's Douglas. Got a uh, clean March 12, 2000 in southwestern PA, and I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. All right, folks, living clean study for the anonymous podcast. This is episode number 10. We're going to begin on page 30 with We Run Back. Eva, could you start us off and read the first two paragraphs and then comment, please? Sure. We run back to our old ways for fear that we may become someone we don't recognize or won't even like. Some of us fear that if we go all the way inside, we will find what we'll find is nothing. But the emptiness we once feared gives us space for growth and change. We stop trying so hard to recreate ourselves and simply allow it to happen. As we work our way through those layers, we find safety, clarity, and confidence that no matter what happens, we don't have to lose ourselves again. There are some questions we, we can only answer alone, but in order to face those questions alone, we need the support of the people we trust. The difference between solitude and isolation is another fine line we definitely, we identify through experience. One question, we learn to ask ourselves is, am I acting in the service of a greater good right now? 
We may need to be alone to, con to connect to with our higher power. Sometimes the best thing we can do is rest and rewind, read a book or watch a movie and let go. This is not the same as isolation. Though the difference may not be apparent to anyone else, the difference is inside. We come to identify ourselves what is restorative time alone and what is destructive withdrawal. Sure, have me read that. Um, so first of all, um, we run back to our old ways of fear. Um, we may become someone we don't recognize or won't even like. Um, when I um, <clears throat> when I start to regress and start to act in old behavior or um, character defects, even um, it's always because I don't like the. I don't like either what's going on around me or how I'm feeling. Um, and the further I start to act badly, the more I, I act badly, then the more I act badly. So it's like this vicious circle for me. And what I've learned is, um, is that for me, there isn't very often that quiet solitude works for me. Um, and it might work for a lot of people, but for me, um, time alone is, um, is rarely used for good, rarely. And, um, so what it talks about, um, that fine line between isolation and, um, and solitude, I, I can so like totally relate to that because um i don't know for me i guess because maybe um the partner that i'm with the guy that I'm, the guy that i'm married to when we are hanging out together that for me is my alone time like he's always like doing his own thing and i'm always doing my own thing so that's my time alone but i'm not alone it's when i'm like locked in my bedroom and don't want even my dogs in there that you can, that I can start telling that that's the fine line for me. So, um, but that's about all I have on that. Thanks for sharing, Eva. Anybody else want to jump in and comment on those two? I always uh, try to, um, like I, I, I need time alone, you know, to wind down and get centered and stuff like that for me. Now, I, I have seen people who kind of their batteries get recharged being around other people. And, um, man, that looks like it would be cool. Like it really does, you know, but, but like, I really do. I need to, I need to kind of recharge alone, you know, and, and, and kind of get centered and stuff like that. And it, it just, uh, I get tired in a couple of different ways. Like sometimes just being, being around a lot of people, it's just emotionally taxing not just like physically drained, but like I get emotionally tired, you know, I've noticed too. And, and, uh, uh, one thing, one thing that I've been able to try to do is to say, Hey, look, let me not make any like life changing decisions when I've identified, like I'm drained, you know, in one area or, or something like that. So that's, uh, I think those, that's going to be, um, the comments that I have for that. Anybody else? 
No, Lee, could you read the next two, please? Starting with acceptance of our. Uh, sure, Doug. Thank you. Acceptance of our changing spirituality is part of our personal evolution. If our relationship with the higher power is real and meaningful, of course it will change over time. But sometimes this feels like a crisis. If we surrender, it drives us back to the steps. And in revisiting steps two and three, we can find a relationship to faith that moves, excuse me, that makes more sense to us. As our values change, our beliefs are likely to develop as well. Letting go of the idea that we have to understand why things happen or how it all works frees us to have a spiritual experience without wondering if we're doing it right. Action is not always visible. Sometimes in order for us to move forward, we must stand very still. Meditation can be hard because it can be so uncomfortable to be quiet with ourselves, to simply stand in the moment and be present. This is where we ask for help, listen for answers, look ourselves in the eye and see who we are, where we are and how we are. When we can be still and observe without judgment, we are given the clarity to see what is right for us and what is not. <clears throat> what a timely topic. Um, yeah, this part is, is hitting home real hard right now. Um, and, and what you had just shared, Douglas, for the past two weeks, I've been around people like almost nonstop at a, at a service symposium at friends' house uh, and then at a convention. And my alone time is, is usually the way I start the day with prayer and meditation and then I do a, a writing exercise. But I like what it says here. If we surrender, it drives us back to the steps. And in revisiting steps two and three, we find a relationship to faith that makes more sense to us. Well. I believe in a continuum of, of the 12 step process. So I don't really ever stop. I'll pause sometimes in between a step, do a tradition, just focus on practice, practice. But this past couple of weeks uh, with this Hurricane Ida situation, I've, I've really lived uh, in my third step. And I was sharing at a meeting. I'm, I went to a meeting at one o'clock today in Mobile, Alabama. And I was talking about how there were probably maybe three times where I felt a lot of frustrations coming on and rather than stick there and get all twisted up and what can I do and how am I going to fix this and fuck Paul didn't take enough pictures of my house. I don't know what the roof looks like and all these things that that could have happened. Thank you, Paul. That was sweet of you what you did. But all these things that could have happened didn't happen because I reverted back into my third step. I reaffirmed the decision. And once I do that, it's like, it's almost sounds kind of corny and a peace, a peace comes over me and then I find my flow again. <clears throat> I love meditation and it can be hard because it is so uncomfortable to be quiet with myself. And one of the, the main principles of this whole process is the practice. I mean, when I first started meditating, my mind was like a freight train of thought. And it would just come barreling in. And ever so slowly over a period of time, I was able to quiet my thought. And, and the, the beauty of, of, of staying connected in the process is that I can still my mind now at any time. 
no matter what's going on. I can be in the middle of trauma, chaos, and all kind of crap, and I can still stop myself, um, which that took a long time to practice. This part I really love, when we can be still and observe without judgment, because judgment gets a black eye in this process. You know, oh, my sponsor told me don't judge people. Well, if I don't make some sort of judgment, I can end up, you know, rolling with a bunch of fucking crystal meth tweakers or some shit. Um, so I have to make sound judgments in context and not let it get like overblown where I'm sitting here going, oh, Eva should have put part of her hair on the side or something, you know, crazy stuff. Um, for an example, your hair is beautiful, Eva. Um, so keeping it in context for me helps helps tremendously. Thanks, uh, Douglas. Thanks, Lee. What's happening, Jane? I can't seem to get that button to work, so I'm just going to try it this way. Thanks, Doug. I was just thinking about that. That uh, one of the things that struck me was the letting go of the idea that we have to understand why things happen or how it all works. And um, I used to get frozen with the whole, I've got to know how so that I don't look stupid or I don't make a mistake or I don't uh, look bad. And, uh, and I would get so frozen up in that I, I couldn't even move. Uh, and then I would get into the frantic, the whole frantic moving around, jumping around, um, uh, getting into the middle of it. Uh, so kind of, I guess thinking if I bulldoze my way through, nobody will notice. Uh, learning to sit still and, and let it pass uh, has been a, an ongoing practice and, and hours on the phone with a sponsor or a trusted friend to learn how to hold still with things. Because I can get busy in an empty room with nobody else in it. I know how to be busy, busy, busy. And uh, learning to sit still with that uh, has been a process. But also learning when to make the moves and when to sit still. Uh, has uh, I've made a whole lot of mistakes along the way trying to learn when I need to be doing some action and when I need to sit still with it because it kind of gets over into procrastination and paralysis of fear too uh, that sometimes I don't make the motion because I'm afraid of making a mistake again uh, and I choose not to make a choice so um, it's all a learning process you know which I think it talks back a little further in the last podcast about it, it's a practice 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 and as long as I'm practicing I'm going to go forward, even if it's two steps back. It's when I stop practicing uh, that I get into trouble. So thanks. Thanks, Jane. Come on in, Paul. Um, so it, it's all about balance. Uh, that that paragraph, that last paragraph that Eva wrote, you know, uh, um, that she read, it's about balance for me. Um, it becomes isolation in the magnitude of it. Uh, what, solitude slips into isolation is for me. You know, and there's Myers-Briggs, right? You know, and introverts and extroverts and people who are introverts get their power from aloneness and people who are extroverts get their power from being with people. But that's not an, it's not a, a zero sum game. Sometimes you can be 51% 
extrovert and you're an E and you can be 49% introvert, you know what I mean? So it's not an all or nothing, but what I have to watch for myself is the balance of it all. The, the thing that I wanted to comment was the acceptance of our changing spirituality is part of our personal evolution. If our relationship with the higher power is real and meaningful, of course it will change over time. So, you know, I'm all, you, if you've ever, if you listen to the basic text, you know my metaphor about discussing religion, it's masturbation. I don't want to watch you do it. You don't want to watch me do it. So that's the thing. I always get hesitant to talk about it. But um, part of my deal is I was raised Catholic and I, Catholicism wasn't a problem for me. It was a safe space for me. I've always shared this, that out on the playground after mass was the problem at, in Catholic school. Um, so, but I still have some fundamental issues with the Catholic church being a gay man. So I don't, I don't, you know, I'm always kind of, that's kind of morphing and stuff like that. And I hesitate to talk about that in this platform. But what I'm gonna say is, the open-mindedness in the second step, right? Because that's where that's what it is, that, that I have a, an ability to open my mind, allowed me this weekend to, um, I was staying with some friends in Pensacola. The, the gentleman whose house I was in used to pick up my mother to go to church. And so he said, do you want to come with me to church today? And I said, yeah because it was the place that my mom used to go to church when she lived in Pensacola. And, and I could let go of all of the, you know, all of the judgments that I have, and I got to spend an hour with my mom. And my mom died five years ago. So because of you, because of this second step, because of you allowing me to have whatever, whatever it, however this spirituality morphs out, allowed me to step beyond the judgment, step, step beyond the why I can't, to spend an hour with my mom. And, and, in, and in the scheme of things, it doesn't really matter what I call it, what I believe, what all of that other stuff, I got to step beyond death because of the open-mindedness that you've taught me. So winner, winner, that's me, thanks. Thank you for sharing, Paul. Anybody else wanna make comments on those two? Barb, could you read the next two, please? Starting with, we learn to trust. Sure, Barb and Attic. We learn to trust our process and allow it the time it needs to work. When we set timelines for how well we should be or how long we will grieve, be afraid, or not know the answer to a question, we can set ourselves up to believe that recovery isn't working. Recovery works very well, but not always on the schedule we set for it. There is no substitute for time. A lot of the step work we do after the first time through is about clarity, listening to the voice within that tells us when we are doing what we are doing is right and when it's not in line with our values. Each time we release more of what ties us to false expectations and beliefs about who we are, we are no longer contained by our addiction or our old narrow view of what life is supposed to look like. We learn that the power we gain in the 11th step is available to us when we are doing our higher powers will and living in self-acceptance. 
The biggest changes in recovery often happen when we are not looking. We wake up and find ourselves in lives we hardly recognize as our own. We find stability, dignity, and honor in our dealings with others, where once we saw struggle, degradation, and alienation. And um, I like that we learn to trust our process and allow it the time it needs to work. And what is it we that saying where we make plans and God laughs, you know, or you know, or if I predict the results, you know. And and I was just taught um, early in recovery that I do all the footwork and then I turn over the results. And it's kind of like what what Paul was saying about religion, about everything. If I have these preconceived notions of how it's going to be or what it should be, you know, it's like like I believe a different way than organized religion, but I don't know. I always stay, say in my mind, you don't know. Maybe one day you'll find out, you know. But um, I need to let go of and, and try to be a, a blank slate, which is very hard sometimes, you know. And, and um, you know, and you guys taught me about grieving. There, there is no timetable. There is no right and wrong in this. You know, I can, I can, I was grieving my mom and I could watch the stages, the five stages. But, you know, I don't put a timetable. I don't, I know there is no right and wrong. People do it different, you know. And, um I, I always remember, though, that um, there was an old timer when I first came in that said, time takes time. And I wanted to punch her when she said that, but that is so true because <laughs> I always say that time takes time, you know, and I'm sure people want to punch me when I say it, but it's true, you know. So, um, and, and listening to the voice within that tells us when, when we are doing what is right and when it's not in line with our values, you know, today, I always, you know, I, I, they say in the other fellowship, my past is my greatest asset. Today, I finally realized that. I, I have a lot of wisdom because of my life experiences. And, and when I plug in and talk to my sponsor, when I do some things, just don't go it alone. I got an inner voice, some inner wisdom that's pretty good, you know, that I can, that I do. Sometimes I'm the only one that knows that it fits. You know, you can tell me, Barb, I see you doing this. I know if it fits in my heart and that inner voice, you know? And a lot of times when I make decisions, that's what I got to do is talk to my sponsor, talk to you, pray, and then just get quiet so that that inner voice can tell me. And most of the time it's like what my sponsor told me to begin with, you know, then that's the answer, you know, so... I don't know. I'm just um, grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be clean and to have this way to live. Thanks. All right. Thanks for that share, Barb. And, you know, I was thinking about this power of the 11 step piece and, you know, quite frankly, man, where, where I get caught up with that is like, if I indulge in, you know, and I, and I share this every podcast, right? It's like chapter seven speaks to me, you know, if I indulge in food, sex, or money or a combination, you know, of those and, and um, myself, I feel like, uh, like in my mind, I know, um, Paula, like you, like you talk about, man, you know, you say it so beautifully. It's like, look, the, the, that God that we come to, to give, you know, to the care of in our third step, you know, is still with us. It, you know, it's not like I make a wrong decision and whoop, you know, or, or, or if I do, you know, choice A and choice B, I have, I have this higher power with me, choice C and D, I don't, you know, and I don't know which one sometimes or I do and stuff like this, but man, what, what I think, what I think happens for me is I might know that in my mind, but it takes a little while, man. Like the journey from the mind to the heart is a really long journey. 
you know, sometimes and, and like, man, sometimes I just feel that if, if, you know, if I'm indulging or if I'm, you know, whatever it is, like, if I'm not, like, if I'm not a good boy, then, uh, I don't have a loving God. You know what I'm saying? And, and like, and like, if I, if I make a wrong decision, man, um, God's going to smite me, you know, and, uh, and look, and you know where I get anxiety at in that, because there are seasons of my recovery, man, where, where it's like, um, all right, man, you're eating way too much, man, to, to not feel or to change how you're, you know, to change how I'm feeling, right. Or I'm spending money or I'm having sex. It's like, you know, th those things. And I'm, and I'm almost like conditioned to think, oh shoot, God's going to smite me now. And, and you know where I get real insecure about it is like the removal of my friends. And I think I've tied it. Um, and so here's my fear is like, man, when, when I'll go, I'll, I'll share something with somebody or, or, you know, kick it out at a meeting or something like this. And then I'll look at my phone and I'll have, <clears throat> you know, my sponsor, my sponsees, like people I've been kicking it with for years are going to say, bro, we don't want you in our life anymore. Next, Pat, we don't want you in our life anymore. Next. And in my mind, these are the people who every day have told me, I love you no matter what. And I've told them, I love you no matter what. Like I, in my mind, I know that, but I'll be goddamn, man, if the anxiety that I have in my spirit, like right here, like it's real, man, you know, now, and I may be able to tie it back to, I don't know, like the relationship I have with my, you know, with my folks was always like conditional. If you, if in the leverage, like if you do what we want you to do, then we can do you know, this, or you're good, this, you know, and if you, if you can't do what we, what we want you to do, and if I, if you don't allow us to manipulate you, then, hey, you're out, done, gone, you know, and I, and I, and I carry that same perspective with, with, uh, with my higher power sometimes, and I'm working through that, you know, I don't know where I'm at with that, right, I'll know what it looks like to come on the other side of it, but that's kind of where I'm at now, and, um, and maybe, maybe some people can add some perspective to that, but, but I, I get a little bit, with that, I just wanted to say about that power of the 11th step is um, that conscious contact, man. Sometimes I feel like the HP is saying, you know what, you know, it's time for, it's time for punishment, you know, or something like this. And, and uh, anyway, that's, uh, those are going to be my comments. If anybody wants to jump in, share, maybe add some context to that or uh, comment on these last two before we, before we jump to the next, Paul, jump on it. This sound very Catholic tonight. I Gotta get away from this. Um, I have a friend, he's dead now, priest. You said that the, the room to spirituality and sexuality are adjacent. And if you go into one room, you better, be, you better be willing to go into the other room because they are both ecstatic states. They both deal with ecstasy. And I, I, am, I want you to pull apart the shame and the guilt of those two. We do that, that is a very Western kind of modality that says sex is bad and if you do it, you're going to hell. And we got to let go of that as a, as a society, we have to let go of that because it kills people. There are a little, there's a teenager tonight who's going to kill himself because of sexuality. And that makes me incredibly sad because that's a gift from your higher power. That would be terrible to hand a child a gift 
and go, don't use it. Don't enjoy that toy I just gave you. That would be abusive. And I don't think any of our higher powers, whatever we're calling them and whatever we're describing it, what our higher power would never give us a gift and then say, gotcha. Now, do we play with the toy too much? Do we stop doing some stuff when we're playing with the toy that we should be doing? Do we become obsessed with the toy? Absolutely. We should enjoy the toy appropriately, whatever that means. But the toy is not evil. And neither is our higher power who gave it to us. So I just want you to, I know it's easier said than done, but you're not a bad person because of that. How do you treat people? Are you kind? Are you loving? Do you leave the world better than you found it? Those are the barometers, not where you stick your dick. Thanks. Thanks for that share, Paul. Anybody else want to jump in? All right, folks, yeah, jump in, Barb. Yeah, Paul, you made me think, you know, that's the first thing I had to do when I came in recovery is get rid of the hail and brimstone. You know, I was raised with not religiously, but with the religion and, and, and even not being raised religiously, I got that hail and brimstone message. And the first thing I did was take that, just got rid of that, prayed, did what they told me to do, said, thank you, please. You know, and I agree what you say about the sexuality what we do to kids, you know, I was shamed sexually as a kid. And then I went on to prostitute. I went on to do all these things that, that added to my shame sexually, you know? So when I got in recovery, it's only been in recovery that I've got comfortable with my sexuality and with your sexuality, you know? And, um, and what a gift, you know? And I tried to raise my son and not do what, cause my mom didn't mean to shame me. I'm sure she wanted me to be a good girl you know, but, but what she did was shame me and boy, was I not a good girl, you know? So, um, I, I think that's very important what you say, um, Paul, and thank, and thank God for recovery that I was able, you know, I was 40 years old before I masturbated, before I got comfortable with my sexuality and stuff. Thank God for recovery that I could do that, you know, but I hadn't all those years, you know, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that were raised like me and didn't. So um, I'm grateful to be here and, and through, through recovery and the therapy, therapy helped me with that too, you know? So grateful to be here, thanks. And thank you for that share, Barb. All right, folks, I'm gonna move on to the next two uh, paragraphs. Jen, could you come in and read those next two? Uh, starting with We Gain. Yes. We gain self-respect when we follow through on commitments. These may begin with group service commitments, making coffee, chairing a meeting, and so forth. As our ability to follow through begins to grow, we take on larger challenges. Perhaps the biggest one is following through on our commitment to work the steps. One of our members suggests that it is not just the work we do on the steps, but the way we work the steps that sets the pattern for our lives. Taking on a big project in little pieces, working consistently on something that is important, even when it is hard or unpleasant, teaches us different things that 
we learn by pushing through in a rush or, or working all night to meet a deadline. <clears throat> through the steps, we peel back the layers of illusion that we mistake for ourselves. We learn that we have a disease, but that our disease isn't all we are. We learn, we learn that we are not God. We learn that we are not our past or our defects of character. We notice when we are confusing how we are for who we are. As we work our way deeper and deeper through the illusions, some of us wonder what will be left. <clears throat> the first thing that comes to mind um, that sticks with me is, you know, when I got here, you know, it talks about uh, being critically ill and not hopelessly bad. And, uh, you know, that's what I thought I was all the way around. I was hopelessly bad. Um, I didn't understand the disease and I didn't understand who I was and, um, and the simple things that it talks about <clears throat> in the first paragraph about group service commitments and you know, doing what you can at a group, picking up chairs, you know, when I got clean, I was out in the parking lot picking up cigarette butts and throwing them in butt cans that addicts couldn't seem to make. Uh, I had a big resentment about that for a long time. And, um, and those things taught me that I wasn't a bad person. You know, um, there were a lot of bad things I did when I was getting loaded. And there's a lot of bad things that I've done since I've been clean. Um, but it doesn't define who I am. Um, as a person, you know, I'm a human being. And, you know, one of the things that, that I've done pretty much since I've got here, even when I wasn't working steps in the beginning was I was always doing, you know, one, my sponsor, well, you know, had four sponsors, you know, one, two, three sponsors when I first got here, but there was one of them that was like, you need to be of service in a meeting in every meeting that you're in. Um, you know, picking up chairs, mopping the floor, doing all this other stuff. And what it created for me was an environment to <clears throat> learn, you know, a little bit about me and about, the, you know, the home group members, if it was their home group. Um, and once I realized that all of these people had some really great things to say, or I saw something about them that I liked, I realized slowly over time that, you know, the work that they were doing is why they were where they were in their life. Um, you know, and eventually I figured out I actually have to do the work. Like I just can't sit and talk about it, but, um, learning, learning about who I was. Um, and a lot of that through the process was at, you know, those meetings, picking up chairs and talking to people, um, and realizing, you know, um, that I am a good person, you know, and I do have qualities and assets um, that other people, you know, that, you know, I can be of service, I can be kind, I can be loving. Um, and that I wasn't all of my defects, like that wasn't who I was, it was just something that I possessed. And, and that at the end of it, when I wanted to remove those defects, like I wasn't gonna disappear, you know, that my defects didn't make who I, was and if I got rid of them I wasn't going to all of a sudden not know who I was it just gave room for me to have better qualities in my life and to be a better person um you know and, and the thing for me today that I still have to remember is is that <clears throat> even when you know um I have those defects of character like even and, and Douglas talked about it for a minute like even when I have those it doesn't change who I am it just means that I have some work to do. 
Um, and that's the gift of recovery is, is that I didn't know I had work to do when I got here. And now today I can see, well, you know, that's probably not my best interest or that's not working for me. Oh, maybe I should do something about that. So the awareness that I have today compared to when I walked in the doors, um, you know, is, is, is a big difference and it's made a huge difference in, you know, who I am today. And I'll pass with that. Thanks for sharing, Jen. What's up, Eva? Uh, you're still muted, Eva. Oops. Okay. When, right here where it says, when we notice, we are confusing how we are for who we are. Um, and as we work our way deeper and deeper through the illusion, some of us wonder what will be left. So when I, um, when I first started working with Donna, um, I can remember um, I was still like a bull in a china shop and I was loud and I was, um, people would be like, you know, you're intimidating or, you know, you're not approachable. And I liked that because it made me feel like, you know, I was tough or something. And um, when we got through to the um, part in the fourth step where I asked about assets, um, and I really got down to it and I had to figure out what I liked. Um, this is when she taught me this, you know, we, we confuse ourselves for how we are, for who we are. Like either you are loud, but that's not who you are. Either you are a little rough around the edges, but you know, you don't have to be. And she asked me what I wanted to be like. And, um, now it's funny that Jane's in the room right here with us or in the squares, but um, because I would say I'd want to be like Jane. She was just this sweet, not demure, but very calm. I wasn't calm. You guys, I wasn't calm at all. I'm still not sometimes. You guys know that. I'm still not sometimes. I'm very passionate. And when you push a certain button, I come out sideways still. And I mean, it's so rare to see Jane come out sideways. It's like, I want to be like that. And um, so then my sponsor said, Donna said, um, well, what do you need to do to, to, to become that? Like, you know, you're confusing how you are, loud, um, intimidating with who you are. And even you are those things when you want to be. It's just how often do you really want to be? And I was like, I just said that's how I wanted to be. And she's like, no, no, <laughs> because this is how you push people away. So if you were like Jane, then more people would come up and talk to you and more people would ask you to sponsor them. And you maybe, I don't know, could get a date. Um, I was already married, I'm kidding, but I never had a problem with that. Um, so, um, I mean, I date the guys in NA, so they're easy to date. <laughs> they're really looking for the same thing I am. Anyway, uh, was, was, anyway. Um, so it was then that I realized, well, I mean, that's when the light bulb went off for me was like, um, I'm not, I'm not how I am. I'm, I mean, now I got to figure out who, who I am, shit, and how much of that would, you know, when I dug through all that illusion, 
I knew that I would have nothing worthy left. I just knew it in my heart. And um, Donna, bless her heart, she would say, there's going to be so much that you like. It's going to be incredible. Just wait. Just wait for the journey. It's just past six. On the other side, <laughs> you know, whew, six was rough, you guys, but seven, eight, nine, um, that all brought me to a place where um, the illusion really was broken and, you know, um, I was no longer how I was, didn't, you know, describe Eva, that's not Eva anymore. Um, and what do you know, like more people did start to ask me to sponsor them and more people actually asked me that maybe I'd want to go out to dinner afterwards because I wasn't this unapproachable um, mean girl that was loud and obnoxious. Um, now I'm loud when I'm loud, I have a point, I think. I'm usually wrong, but I think so. Um, but yeah, that's just it was so cool to, to learn that and to hear that. And that was before this book came out. So I had to learn it the hard way. Now it's just right here for all of us. Right there. Yep. Thanks. Thanks for that share, Eva. And folks, you know, too, like to tag on a little bit. Like I didn't really know I was gaining self-respect when it was just listening to old timers, really. I mean, they said, look, you know, go every meeting that you're hitting this week, you know, show up early and you help get that coffee on and set the chairs up and, you know, do all this stuff. And then like we, you know, one, one thing that, uh, and not to take the angle of, Oh, it's, you know, it's different here than they, you know, and all that stuff. But, but it's like, we, we really held each other accountable, man. Like us being the new guys, you know, we were going to the meeting. If there was one of us that showed up a little bit late to help set the meeting up, we gave each other shit about it. And what I, what I didn't know then, but it's, it's very easy to see now was like my my commitment to the service commitments of of, of uh, you know setting up and Jen like you said picking up the cigarette butts and stuff like that it was mopping like we had to we had to take the mop to the floor you know after our meetings and stuff like this like my commitment to do that and the seriousness that I put that I put on that really framed like my commitment to staying clean in general it really did man like I was I was not about to 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 get shit from from the people I was getting clean with like my you know the other new guys that that, that like we we kind of bonded over that stuff and we talk our shit about the old guys who were yelling at us too you know we were saying no fuck him you know this and that we wouldn't say it when they came there but we would say it before you know before they would come down the steps you know and then guys like you you know the story man when that when the dude told me I don't know I had a few weeks clean or a few months I don't I don't know what it was but he said, you did a good job, you know, when I was mopping and stuff. And, and um, but I had no idea, man. I just had no idea how broken I was. And, uh, and I'm talking about, man, looking at myself lower than shit. Just taking somebody, man. And you're right, Paul, I love when you said about being kind and stuff, you know, and trying to pour into people and, and you know, and stuff like that. Because it's like, like how, how, how broken do I have to be? To when someone says, man, you did good mopping, like it it, it it was right here. You did good at mopping. Who gives a fuck about mopping? But man, when the dude told me that, man, it was like, you know what? I, like I added something to something. You know what I'm saying? And, and um, so I wanted to do that. And then I, I also wanted to, to say this, you know, how that uh, 
Yeah, in, in the first paragraph still, too, it was talking about, like, you know, how we approach work and the steps kind of sets, you know, like our approach or the premise, you know, to interacting with our life. Like, I, I'm with that, man. I, I get to a, a dude on sponsor now, Henry, man, he listens every time, you know, this this hits the play on Monday and he's listening, you know, we're talking about it. He's coming out four months clean, something like this. And, and, uh, and it's been a tug of war, man. Getting this four step done. It's been a tug of war. Hey bro, let's go. All right. I'm doing, you know, it's been, it's been one of those days and I'll be damned if he wasn't so excited when he finished it yesterday. I mean, so excited, man. Like a couple exclamations. Then when he called, he was excited about it. And half of it, you know, it's probably so I'll stop bitching about, you know, hey, where are we at with this? But man, it like he's enthusiastic, right? About about it. And it, and you know what that does, man, is is like we're committed to staying clean a day at a time. And because of that, we can be committed to like living life a day at a time too. And it's just really cool, man. Like and so so I was just piecing that together, you know, as we were reading that. It's like, you know, my approach to my approach to my commitments and my approach to step work it kind of, it kind of allows me to participate in life, you know? So, all right, folks, those are going to be my comments. Anybody want to jump in, jump on in, Paul? Yeah. That commitment thing is so important, or at least it was very important for me, not just in service commitments, but a commitment to anything. And I was uncommitted when I got here. I did not know how to do it. I would tell you I would do it. And then I wouldn't do it. I was, I was, it was terrible. It was terrible. People would like, I would bring, I was supposed to bring stuff and I'd forget it. And I just, it, it was terrible. And I learned that in Narcotics Anonymous is if you say you're going to do something, then you have to do it. Like I, you know, you know, the business meeting, somebody put my hand up or I put my hand up or something. And I was like, and then, you know, a week later, I don't want to do it because that was my MO. And my sponsor said, no, 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 no. You're going to, you're going to finish doing that. And I learned that in here. So that was a great thing. Great thing. And then I would take all these commitments because I wanted you to like me, right? So I have this, I have this character defect of people pleasing. So every time I'm raising it and then I've got all these commitments and I can't get anything else done. And my sponsor said, well, maybe you shouldn't raise your hand all the time. So I learned how that, to be discerning with my commitment. So now, like, here's the deal. If I have to look at my calendar, I have to think about, I'll get back with you is my favorite response because I have to think about this. If you're going to ask me to make a year commitment or a six-month commitment or something, what's that going to look like? How can I do it? But here's the great gift if you're listening and you're new. This stuff is not about Narcotics Anonymous. You get to apply this in the real world. And then they give you money and promotions because you said, oh, I'll take this job and I'll show up. I was fucking unemployable when I got here. And I learned that said, oh, we're gonna give you this job. And so you, you have to show up every day. Okay, and I learned that in here, that even when I don't want to do something, I still do it because I said I would. Incredible. And, uh, and, and this will serve you. Like you'll be able to, 
hold down a job, you'll be able to have friends, you'll get invited to things because they'll know that you'll show up with the shit you said you'd bring. It's amazing. So just remember when you're bitching about that ashtray, well, we don't do ashtrays anymore, huh? But when, you, uh, when you're making, oh, we don't do coffee because of COVID. What the fuck are we doing? We don't do anything on this Zoom thing. We need some kind of, good Lord. We need something. I can't even arrange the squares. You could arrange the chairs. Remember when you arrange the chairs? There's plenty of service to do on Zoom. I know, Lee, don't get all bent out of shape. There's plenty of service still to do. There's plenty of service to do on virtual meetings. I got it. So listen, if you're new, just let, let, them, let them dope fiend you into that commitment. They're gonna raise your hand. They're gonna say, you can do this. Just say, okay. And the, the ability to say okay to that will be the ability to say, say okay to recovery and to life. Thanks. Well, thanks for that share, Paul. Lee's getting ready to start firing off assignments to people. Like, look how much you did. inventory to symbol by, the, by tomorrow. All right. So, folks, look, we're, <laughs> we're finishing up um, the ties that bind, you know, the, the section connection to a higher power started on 28. There's one paragraph left. So, Lee, could you jump on it to simmer down? Could you jump on in and read that paragraph? Um, it's our last one in the connection to a higher power. And could you sh share your thoughts on that paragraph? And then maybe, you know, if you want to make any comments on, on this subsection uh, as a whole. Can you go ahead, Lee, with uh, We Talk to Members? Sure. Thanks, Todd. Uh, we talk to members we respect and trust, and they remind us that organizing a program is not going to turn us into anyone other than who we truly are. As we develop a conscious contact with a power greater than ourselves, we grow into the awareness that our higher power doesn't want an imaginary, idealized version of us. We come as we are, and we serve best when we're most fully ourselves. The simple act of being present without trying to pretend works to peel away the distortions and lies, our defects, our baggage, and our nagging sense of inadequacy. We learn who we are precisely when we forget ourselves in service to others. And kind of just going back just for a second, I wanted to talk about the fear of what will happen to me when all my character defects are gone. And I remember that fear quite, quite vividly and how long it lasted, how long it, it hung on. Because when I got here, in fact, I was just a bunch of character defects. And so I, I struggled a lot with, with turning it over and I struggled a lot with, uh, with what I was doing, thinking that's who and what I was. And, and it took time and, and, and Barb said it, she wanted to slap that woman because that woman said time takes time. And, and that's one of my favorite go-tos nowadays when, when people are talking about, oh, I did it again. Oh, this is an old behavior. It's current behavior because I'm doing it. You know what I mean? We always call it old behavior, but if I'm doing it, it's actually current. And this part right here where it says we develop a conscious contact with a power greater than ourselves, we grow into the awareness that our higher power doesn't want an imaginary, idealized version of us. I can remember like working so hard to, to become this this person and thing that I thought once I achieved X, Y, and Z, 
and success and and outwardly uh, things that that then I would become fully present. And I was so mistaken and so off base and and found out through a <laughs> the hard way that 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 is not who my higher power intended me to be. Paul kind of summarized it earlier before he was talking about me freaking out about service work on Zoom. He said, am I kind to people? Do I love others? And am I going to leave this better than when I found it? And I don't know when, I don't know when that happened. I wish I could, could pinpoint it to you. If you knew and you're doing the program to just to the best of your ability, not what my sponsor expects of me, not what my, my peer group expects of me, none of that. If I'm just doing it to the best of my own ability, eventually, over time, I become that version of, of what my higher power wants me to be. And I don't have a sense of a, a nagging in, inadequacy or uh, baggage. And, and Barb said it too, that, that my past is this plethora of, of, of experience. I don't live in there. I go there if I need to get something out of it and bring it into my present, because most of it doesn't fit into me to, 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 to the me of today. And so I don't know if you're new and you're, you're just embracing the steps, just, just do what you can do. Um, this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And, and there is no tape. We're not going to run through the finish line and be like, oh, I'm like Jane now. I'm all perfect and whatnot. And no character defects. I know. I love you, Jane. I'm glad you're back, too. Um, I need you guys. I need people who I hear are struggling either with what I have going on or something that I had going on. And, and I am not the sum of defects um i'm the sum of me and what and without narcotics anonymous i would have never i would i would have probably be dead i would have never found me so i'm super super grateful and paul i will not be thinking about service commitments while i'm scuba diving in cabo note to self and i will say some prayers about your move i love y'all thank you douglas all right thanks thanks for that Shirley. Uh, so I'll make a comment on this and then we'll open it up for maybe one or two more and then, then that'll tighten up the episode. Uh, you folks, uh, two comments. One is if, if you folks listen, if you don't listen to the God and Principles study, please do start to do that. There's a guy on there, Carl, you folks know him from New Orleans. He, he shares about how like his fear that was tied into this was like that he would be very um, like boring or not, you know, have nothing of value, you know, not, not an interesting person when you strip everything down. And um, we were talking about that not too long ago. And, and I think that's the ticket right there is like, like, I need to be able to say to myself, you know what, if, if you get, a, if, if this is gone from my person and this is gone from my person, you know, what, whatever this is or how many, this is there are, maybe I am just a fucking boring dude. I'll talk to you falsely, you know, like nothing, nothing good, you know, nothing like interesting. Finally get to the place <clears throat> to where it's like, okay. Okay, then that's who I am. And at the same time, I can accept the fact that if I start getting, you know, these things start to eliminate, maybe I am interesting. Maybe I have one or two things that are conversation pieces. Maybe I do have a, a hobby that, you know, so so I think that's the, that's the thing that, 
no matter if I'm super interesting, I'm middle of the road, or I'm the most fucking doll, and I have nothing going on, it's okay. But to but to look at the things that are hurting my spirit and saying, hey, you know what? I don't want to participate. I think that's the progress piece. You know, at least that that is for me. And then the last comment I'll make: we learn who we are precisely when we forget ourselves in service to others. And and I don't know about like the learning exactly who I am or something like that, but I do know this though. That last part of that sentence is so true in my life. I pause myself, I forget myself, I get out of myself, and I get into other people. Man, that has been tried and true. No, there, there's nothing else, man. There's nothing else that's worked for me um, more than more than just trying to be a service to somebody else, taking them through the steps, listening. Sometimes just listening to them, you know, this and that, whatever it is. But when I'm on service to other people, man, I, I I get to hit pause on me and not be consumed with myself, and that's a fucking beautiful place to be. So, all right, folks, we got we got maybe one one comment, maybe two quick ones. Jen, jump in. Well, I want to talk about that last last sentence too, um, and I think for me it ties back into, you know, when I first got clean, being of service, um, and I remember times going to a meeting early because I didn't have anywhere else to go, and when I got there early, you know come set up the chairs or, you know, let's put all the stuff out for coffee. And usually when I was showing up at meetings really early, it was because I was really messed up. I was really fucked up. Something was happening with me and it was all about me and I was obsessed. And so for that meeting being of service, especially for the first half an hour, it really changed how I thought of, you know, about like for like a half an hour, I was busy doing something else. And I didn't ever, you know, I didn't recognize this at the time that, like I was handed a gift by, you know, picking up cigarette butts was a gift. I didn't think it was a gift in the beginning. I just did it because, you know, that's what's asked of me. But the gift was, is that I was being of service to something other than myself. You know what I mean? I was being of service to the fellowship or I was being of service to someone else. And today I think where I sit with, you know, forgetting myself in service to others is when I'm, when I'm working with the women um, that I sponsor and I'm listening to them and I'm, you know, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fully present. It's one of those places where my squirrel brain doesn't go crazy. Um, and I get to just be with them. And, and the amazing thing about that is, is that, you know, for an hour and a half, you know, cause even today, you know, I can be spinning in my head about all the shit that I have to do or all the work that I have to do or the house I have to clean or the kids I have to drive to work or all this other stuff that I have to do. But in that hour and a half, I, I, you know, learned, I, I set it aside, it's theirs, we're working and that's the end of it, you know, and, and nothing else is going on um, in that world. And what it, what it's taught me is, is that um, I'm not really that important. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I am able to help others, but it takes away that, that self-centered obsessive behavior in my head. Um, that makes me realize that I'm just like everybody else. I'm not the most important, with the most, bleh, the most important person in the room, and I'm also, I'm not the least important, right? Um, I'm just there with my fellow addicts, doing what I need to do, you know, to stay clean another day. At the, you know, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. So, uh, thanks. Thanks for that, share, Jen. All right, folks, we're at the coming up on the top of the hour. I want to thank everybody for tuning in this week. And uh, we're going to jump into the next section uh, in one week. Thanks. Thank you for walking with us on this journey. 
please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so.